the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Um, not a good day to be shares of Yelp. So I look at publicly traded companies as people. I look at them as taxable people. So does the IRS. So when you start doing that, maybe that can help you understand investing a little bit better and be a little bit pickier and take some science and the weirdo out of it and put into it some personality and some insights. Speaking of insights, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, going to be working with me tomorrow night doing an event called Building Retirement Portfolio That Last. Building a Retirement Portfolio That Last. It's kind of important. It's going to be in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel, 6.30 to 9. Mr. Burton, why is it important to build a retirement portfolio that lasts? Well, I, you don't want to be 85 years old and you've overspent or underperformed or you got a period of high inflation and your standard of living completely drops and you, you know, go into retirement expecting one thing and then you have a very different situation. So you want to make sure your money lasts longer than you do. Let's talk about one of the, the golden rules of investing. Let's see if it's still golden. The 4% draw rate at age 65, it's turned into a little bit of a hot issue. It's kind of intimidating just right there. You have a big nest egg and you can take 4% a year. That's, I think that's going to scare a lot of people to hear that. Let's talk about the 4% draw rate. Well, yeah, and then so, you know, you got a million bucks at 65. You should only in the past be able to take 40 grand a year so that every year following that, you can adjust upward and take a little bit more with inflation. So that's been the idea. But it, it, there, we've got dividend rates that are historically low on stocks. We've got interest rates that are historically low. Um, good news is, is we've had great market performance in the last five years. Um, inflation has essentially been kind of non-existent, um, except for in the healthcare costs. So, you know, if we talk about the reason why people think it will fail for a lot of baby boomers, is I don't think it will fail altogether. I think it's I think it is tougher now, but all of the simulations that that I see run, 
Um, where the 4% draw rate fails typically is if you combine high inflation with low in returns. And I don't think right. we'll see a period of high inflation for a while. And all of these simulations, Rob, where people retire and they have a specific portfolio, let's say 60-40 equities bonds, um, or you see the, the opposite of that, 40-60, right? It, they always assume reverse dollar cost averaging where you have the static portfolio and you're drawing that 4% across the board, across all asset classes, which is actually really, really silly. It's just, just not the right way to do it. So I think if you're going to go into retirement and you're going to be lazy and just do reverse dollar cost averaging, or you're going to go to advisors that sell you a bunch of garbage products like non-traded REITs and loaded annuities that have fees as high as 3.5%, 4%, you're probably going to fail. But if you go into retirement with a plan and you realize that in retirement, you do monitor your portfolio a little bit more closely because you have cash accounts and you have a portfolio. And every quarter, you need, to re- you need to peel off enough of the growth when there is growth to replenish your cash. You need to take your dividends and interest because you're, you're living off of them. If you actually monitor your plan and you go into it with a plan, I'm not too scared about inflation because if inflation comes into play, you can buy tips, you can buy commodities and things like that and invest and actually benefit from it if you have a large, a large enough portfolio. Um, what you can't do is make a lot of mistakes in the early years like overspend or get into bad garbage products because that will hurt you 20 years from now. So, you know, at the event I show that reverse dollar cost averaging simulation when it works and when it doesn't work, and it's just really the order of returns. So, you actually, when you retire, you monitor your portfolio a little bit more closely. Let's talk about bulletproofing. Everyone likes that concept. How can I make sure that I don't get hit by a stray bullet in retirement? And a stray bullet meaning, how do I make sure that I'm safe in retirement? Well, it, it, save a lot early on and get to the point in retirement where you can look at your portfolio, you can run a report and say, okay, I'm getting a certain amount in dividends from my stocks, a certain amount in interest from my bonds, and I own real estate, let's say, and it's kicking off a certain amount of rental income to me. If you're that person that you don't even need to spend all of that money, you're pretty bulletproof because you'll be able to adjust with inflation in the future. Your real estate income will likely go up. Um, Eventually, your interest on your bonds will likely go up. If you're in stocks that are dividend achievers, your dividends will likely go up in the future. So you're pretty bulletproof. And it becomes a, a situation where you get later in life and then it's, it's about gifting to your kids and things like that. So if you accumulate enough assets, and I'm talking about all asset classes, stocks, bonds, real estate, all of them, and they're always paying you an income, that's financial freedom. The next step is to make sure that you have a plan for long-term care, whether that's looking at I'm buying the insurance directly, the long-term care insurance, which obviously last year, as we talked about, got a lot more expensive, Wealthier people that are in kind of that financial freedom mode, there are actually some fairly decent types of uh, life insurance policies that are geared towards estate planning where you can use the death benefit early to pay for long-term care. It's not for everybody, Rob, but there are some good ones out there for the wealthy. That, that way, if you pay into it and you never need long-term care, just go, the death benefit goes to the kids, but it, you can use the death benefit early if you go into a long-term care facility, for example. So having a plan for, for that and also maintaining that three to five years worth of portfolio draws in cash so that, that if you know, there is a down market and you need a lump sum withdrawal to pay for something large, a vacation home, a remodel of the house, a kid's wedding, 
that you've got the cash on the sidelines and you're not forced to draw when the market's down. Those are some things that you can do to really bulletproof your retirement. Speaking with CFP Chad Burton, he's going to be speaking tomorrow at an event in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel, building a retirement portfolio that lasts from 6.30 to 9, rebalancing your portfolio, when to use funds, when to use ETFs, taxable accounts, non-taxable accounts, all very, very important. Let's get to one final topic with Mr. Burton. You can sign up for that event at robblack.com. Again, that's tomorrow night in Los Gatos. A quick rundown of what we're going to cover tomorrow, Chad. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll talk in depth about why the 4% rule is in danger, which is really, you know, kind of those risks we talked about yesterday with, you know, the sequence of returns, the sequence of withdrawing your money or the sequence of your expenses, health care issues, what does health care really cost in retirement, how to budget, how to create a correct budget, how to really estimate your expenses, which flows right into how much safe money you need and what your asset allocation should look like. So once you know that, you can then transition into a retirement portfolio from an accumulation portfolio, which, um, you know, we got to go through taxes, we got to go through maximization, social security strategies, asset allocation and location, where you should, which types of accounts you should hold different asset classes, the bonds, the bond alternatives and types of bonds that I'm using right now as an advisor. And uh, then mm-hmm. finally, which accounts to draw from first? That's key because you've got to minimize your taxes over your entire retirement versus year by year. So you really got to forecast in the long run to pick which accounts to draw from first, whether it's your IRAs, your Roth, your taxable accounts, things like that. Sounds good. We'll see you tomorrow night at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos talking about these issues and more. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Again, it's build a retirement portfolio that lasts. I'm going to go over some stocks that I've recently purchased tied towards income. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. Build a retirement portfolio that lasts tomorrow night in Los Gatos at 6.30. Take a break. Be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I have a big event coming up Thursday evening at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos from 6 to 9, 6.30 to 9. Get there a little bit early if you can because traffic can be a little bit of a nightmare down in Los Gatos at that time of the day. It's all about reducing risk and with diversification, bond alternatives, retirement products that make sense, bond retirement um, retirement products that don't make any sense. Uh, we're going to hit all of this and much, much more. Asset classes, which ones to be in, how to diversify, the right use of ETFs. Retirement's tricky. I don't want to run out of money in retirement. Really, really bad. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk a little bit about this. How are you, Mr. Burton? Excellent. How are you? You know, I do have a fear, and you know that What's I'm financially pretty well off. You know that I'm financially pretty well off. That I still have a fear about income and retirement. Do you have that fear? 
Um, well, you know, I'm used to have, have been doing this planning for the last 23 years. So rather than having a fear, you have a plan. And uh, But I get it because you're always focused on the accumulation phase. And when yep. you quit working, you're not feeding this portfolio anymore. You're, you're feeding – it's feeding you. So you have a limited resource, and you got to make it last. And it is um, – you know, the market's been doing great. But interest rates are so historically low right now in terms of for investors. It's great for real estate, right? But for grandma and grandpa, for mom and dad, it's tough when your CDs are paying 1% versus 4 or 5% like they were, you know, in 2005 even. So you'll be at this event, and we're going to be talking about building a retirement portfolio. Um, Let's talk about a planned deal with sequence of returns risk. What's that even mean? Well, sequence of returns risk, I mean, there's, there's examples that, you, that, that I've given in the past, and I'll give one even at the event, where when people retired in the 80s, um, the first part of the 80s was pretty rough. Uh, you had a high inflation. You had Federal Reserve trying to break the backs of inflation. Interest rates were going up, and it took a while to do that. So the first part of the 80s was pretty rough on portfolios. But then we had one of the longest-running bull markets in history, and so pr- people that retired with the correct amount of money and drew 4 or 5% by the end of 35 years, they've, they've actually – they have more money than they started with. But if you take those returns and flip them over, just a mirror image of those returns where the really good returns come first and the poor returns come later in your retirement years, it's actually much, much worse. And the reason why, there's just – a little bit of math behind it. If you start out in retirement and you're spending you know, $100,000 a year to live, 20 years from now you're spending $200,000 a year to live. So when your compounded expenses are being withdrawn from your portfolio, as it starts to decline in value, it just, it's, a, it's a mathematical nightmare. And it causes you to run out of money quicker because the bad returns come later when you're drawing even more money. So to deal with that sequence of returns, you have to have a plan, and that plan really is a big focus of the event is you know, how much safe money do you have to get through bad markets and how to rebalance your portfolio because the market you know, ebbs and flows. If you look at the rolling returns of different decades, there's been decades when we have, we've had average annual returns for 10 years well over 13%, and then there's been decades when it's been under 5 so you have to make sure you're always peeling the growth, replenishing your cash, and having the right amount of cash to get through the bad times. Okay. Um, let's you know, flesh this out a little bit more. And Again, we're talking about a retirement portfolio that will pay you income, hopefully, till the day you die. Maybe leave a little bit left over so you get through the rough patches for sure. Let's talk about plans with interest rates. Uh, mm-hmm. We're moving into the latter part of the year. And the Fed has said, hey, the economy keeps doing okay. We're probably going to raise interest rates maybe as early as September of this year. How do interest rates play into retirement portfolios, per se, as far as changing times? Well, I think the biggest piece that has changed is advice on two different areas. And one area is retirees paying off their homes. Um, You get to a certain point in life, let's say you're way through your amortization schedule on your home loan and you're not getting that much interest deduction for it once you retire and once you do very detailed cash flow projections, projections and which include how much am I going to pay in taxes every year, and you know you're way too overweight in stocks as you go into retirement, and you say, okay, well, I'm going to sell some of those stocks. I'm going to go invest in bonds or CDs. Well, 
as interest rates rise, that might not be the best idea in your situation. It may, but in many cases it may not be. And so uh, there's been more times in the last two years, Rob, that I've had people pay off their mortgages than I did in the first 23 years of the business. Um, so it, it's because that delta between your after-tax cost of your loan and what bonds are paying out there is not a lot, which I think we're going to slowly eke up in interest rates. But everybody from Wells Fargo to you know just about any economist thinks we're going to be lower for longer, lower interest rates than expected for a longer period of time. We have kind of mediocre global economic growth that is growing, which is good for the markets. Um, but it just it's not going to be a time where we you know drastically overweight bonds anytime soon. So that's one thing. And then dealing with bond alternatives, things like no-load annuity products that have guaranteed income for life, and the guarantees are only based on as good as the insurance company is, so you have to be careful. And you only want no-load products that are out there where you can invest in a balanced portfolio, and if the portfolio ever runs out of zero, the insurance or ever goes to zero, the insurance company's on the hook. There's only a few good ones out there. Most of the bond alternatives that people think hear about from you know, brokers or commission-based advisors are garbage. So that's why we kind of deal with uh, good retirement products, bad retirement products when we're trying to deal with a, a period of low interest rates that will probably last at least the next five years. We've got about two minutes. Let's talk about building a retirement portfolio that lasts. Big event coming up at the Toll House Hotel Thursday from 6.30 to 9. You and I are both going to be running this. Let's talk about longevity rests. I think my yep. fear of, of income planning is that I live too long and it gets more and more expensive as longer you live. It is. So you want at least 30% of your income into coming from areas that you cannot live. And let's say that's social security. So one part of that is strategies for couples to max out social security or even individuals. How do you max it out with file and suspend strategies and restricted application strategies that if one of you lives till you're 95 years old, you're talking hundred, $200,000 extra out of social security. If you do the payments, right. So that's one thing is maximizing Social Security. It also kind of plays into the bond alternatives that we're talking about. So that you have some of the, you know, your income coming from places that you cannot live. So longevity is an issue. I mean, we're, the advances that are coming in, in the medical field are, are pretty phenomenal. And, you know, you also have to deal with the sequence of spending risks. That's the final one to talk about today. And this is one Quickly. which – which really, you know, if you don't know what your spending is going to be and you overspend in the first five to ten years of retirement, you are going to really mess up your chances of a successful retirement. So knowing your spending, knowing home remodels, new cars, and helping kids and things like that is very important. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can meet him Thursday evening in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel, 630 to 9. We're both running an event called Building a Retirement Portfolio that Last. This is super important. You don't want to run out of money in retirement. A lot of things are going to be covered. Current market conditions, bond alternatives, asset classes, rebalancing a portfolio. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. That's this Thursday at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen with briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm well. I'm well. Any big economic data that you want to talk about that came out this morning? Nothing came out this morning. Um, we had durable goods that came out on May that were uh, a nice change of pace. But, uh, you know, today was a pretty quiet day. Today is going to get a little bit more dramatic as Janet Yellen and the Fed release some information. What are we expecting? I don't think we're expecting anything to happen today. I think we may get a little bit more verbiage that would imply you know, a rate hike at the September meeting. I think most economists that I've talked to are still focusing on the September meeting being the uh, the day that, that we move off the zero bound. Uh, you know, I think that she's going to move into that aspect. I think she's going to talk about that there's still concerns about you know, the unemployment situation being not as strong as, as she likes and you know, inflation running a little bit below target, but moving towards what they perceive to be a, uh, a normal inflation growth rate. I think she may you know, give some lip service to the recent uh, uh, move in Chinese equities and the possible implication towards uh, you know, global economic growth, but I think it's going to be a very, you know, vague response. I think she'll also give some vague response to uh, concerns in Europe, but I think that they, for the most part, you know, she's going to be saying, you know, the economy is rebounding at the way it should, and, you know, in their belief, uh, rates should rise in, in the near term. With what's happened in China and their stock market, not collapsing, but certainly going down aggressively, Will Janet Yellen take a look at that and say, okay, maybe China's slowing or their consumers will slow because of this? Uh, will, will China come into her decision at any way, shape, or form? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think that it's more of just paying lip service to what you know the investors and what the media public are looking at right now. I don't think it has anything to do with what's going on. I think that research has shown that the Chinese stock market in terms of the Chinese economy are not – uh, attached the hip, so to speak. The rapid increase in equities didn't have much of an impact on uh, marginal spending rates of uh, the Chinese consumer. So if you believe that uh, spending didn't grow on the way up, then you know the corollary of spending shouldn't decline on the way down as well. It should hold true. So you know it may be an implication that economic growth trends are weakening, but it wouldn't have the you know catastrophic impact that, uh, you know, maybe a, a big move like that in the U.S. stock market, for example, could have. But, uh, you know, I think what we're seeing is, is just volatility and fluctuations that come. And I think uh, Janet Yellen is aware of those trends. And, you know, the Fed in itself is aware that, uh, you know, the Chinese economy, so to speak, isn't tied too closely with the U.S. economic gro- growth. So, I don't see them having too much of a concern on it. Next question is the IMF has recently warned about a global slowdown or some kind of global slowdown coming. It wasn't exact. It wasn't specific. Uh, kind of was more of a gloomy warning. Uh, will that factor into what the Fed does or, again, just not? 
No, and the IMF has released statements in the past saying that the Fed should hold off on moving towards raising interest rates in 2015, citing the fact that uh, the U.S. dollar is so closely aligned with global economic growth and the fact that, you know, raising interest rates could make it more difficult on emerging markets to uh, to grow. So if that's the case, then, you know, the IMF is doing their part to try to bolster global growth. The Fed, however, is focused on U.S.-centric policies. You know, they've come out in the past and said, hey, we don't, you know, base our decisions on trends outside of the U.S. unless there's a specific impact that could affect U.S. growth trends. And, you know, the IMF's statements haven't been so specific towards U.S. slowdown. It's been more of a, a general malaise. And I think that based on, you know, this isn't something new. This is something that they've said before. The Fed is going to, you know, respectively ignore the, you know, the IMF's outlook. Let's see. How do, where do I take this at this point in time? I saw a statistic out today that a large chunk of the stock market gains happen on the day that the Fed releases their minutes and updates the markets. Um, are you aware of that? No. No, I actually try to stay away from the minutia of uh, when the equity markets move on a day-to-day basis. So okay. I, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it just it's big swings. And again, you know, from a stock standpoint, they always say you don't want to be out of the market. You don't want to time the market because it moves very aggressively on very few days. And if you miss that, you miss the whole year. Um, changing topics ever so slightly. Um, any worries out there on inflation? Yeah, you know, we're not seeing anything. I, you know, the, okay. we're hoping that wages start growing so that inflation trends start rising. You know, what we've seen. Uh, you know, so far is inflation's been pretty flat and it's well below target. The, you know, I think the Fed's PC index that they look at is, you know, the core uh, measure is at like 1.2% year over year. That's 0.7 percentage points below what the Fed is targeting. Uh, you know, without wage growth, it's really difficult to have inflation growth and you're seeing commodity prices slow down. So, on on the global end, you're not seeing a pricing pressure that's forcing uh, U.S. prices to go up. So, you know, you you have basically a flat line until wages start accelerating. And right now, as much as we'd like to see wages grow and as much as the market is suggesting that the labor market is tightening, I mean, you had the uh, lowest initial claims reading in, what, 40 years last week, and, you know, you don't expect to see a big increase in initial claims anytime soon because it seems like the uh, the labor market and employers in general are pretty content with their uh, their work staff outside of course the energy sector that's laying off workers due to oil price pressures but uh, you know that should you know factor into higher wages and right now we're not seeing it wages have been flat and we haven't seen much acceleration. So until wages grow, it's going to be difficult for producers to uh, increase prices and expect to see, uh, you know, buyers in return. I got a call earlier in the show, and we've got about two minutes, where he saw someone on TV say, we're getting ready for an economic collapse. 
And, you know, I gave him a pretty good answer. But do you see economic collapse or how would you answer someone that, that is fearful? I mean, if you look at TV, CNBC has been playing an ad by Ron Paul saying that the world is coming to an end. You got to go to Ron Paul's website, pay for his uh, his booklets and stuff, and he'll save you. You know, these talks have been going on for years. You know, it's nothing new. You know, Zero Hedge has made a living on saying that within a week we're going to see impending, you know, economic doom, hyperinflation. We're going to be seeing, you know, economic collapse. The truth of the matter is the economy is fine. It's it's just not growing at the rate that we're used to. You know, that the the growth in income is slow, but profits are still strong. Yeah, the disconnect is still there. Uh, it's not what I would consider ideal. You know, it's not the three percent that we're used to. It's this new normal. You know, two two and a half percent growth trends. It's the secular stagnation type moves that have been touted by Larry Summers. You know, the idea that you know, we can see returns back to 3% growth when your labor force is growing at a slower rate and productivity growth is softening is just not feasible. So until we see some kind of you know, move to get away from the negative debt cycle that we were seeing you know, in the past, you know, its growth is going to be slow. And that makes people fearful, but they're fearful for the wrong reason. They're not, it shouldn't be fearful of you know, lost savings or fear of a lost job. It should be fear that your living standards aren't going to materially improve over the next, you know, several years, possibly generation, without a significant increase in productivity, without a significant boost in, in wage growth. And without that, you know, that's what the fear is. It's not necessarily the fear of collapse. It's the fear of stagnation. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen with Briefing.com, Chief Economist. Always a great guest, always very insightful. And I think he actually hit the nail on the head with the Ron Paul statement. And, you know, people benefit uh, financially from selling fear. It's kind of unfortunate. It kind of comes with the, you know, great American tradition. You can get your calls on the air at 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm with him. I think we moved into a different economy, but not necessarily a bad one, maybe a slower one. And again, it's something that it's an imperfect science, and it's an ugly science when you study the economies of the world. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. I'm going to be doing an event Thursday night, building a retirement portfolio that lasts, Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's tomorrow night. You don't want to run out of money in retirement. We're going to talk about how much you need to have. We're going to talk about individual stocks and much, much more. I'm Rob Black.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking all things investing, money saving, getting to your retirement, trying to put an honest lens on things so you could actually kind of weed through the information and not get intimidated. That's my goal. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The National Association of Realtors monthly home sales report made a big splash last week when there was some news that the median home prices in June had broken the record set in 2006, reaching a nominal high of $236,400. So are home prices again breaking records? The answer is not really. Median home prices, that's the midpoint of sales where half of the homes sell above and half the homes sell below the given price can be a very clumsy gauge for comparing prices over time. Why? Um, Probably because median prices aren't typically adjusted for inflation. All else equal, median home prices should set new records every summer as long as there is inflation. Even after adjusted for inflation, median home prices aren't a great barometer because they can be distorted by the mix of what's selling. So for an example, in 2009, median prices plunged in part because of there was a ton of foreclosures. Bank-owned homes tended to cluster at lower price points, both because they weren't as well maintained and because mortgage companies weren't motivated to sell quickly to cut losses. So you have to be very cautious on using numbers. I really don't like the financial media world at times because I think there's a lot of greed and fear sold um, a lot. I was talking with a couple last night. They bought me dinner, which was incredibly kind and nice. They have $11 million in assets, and they're starting to get to the point where they're late 40s, and he wants to play a guitar. I'm like, just make sure that's what you're ready to do, and you could do it because you have enough assets. It's one of the best conversations I ever have with people about wealth is you're ready to retire, but question, are you ready to retire? Um and he is. And I was like, okay, you know, you're just going to have to work on a budget. You're going to have to work on things like healthcare, because if you're not working for Apple anymore, um, you're going to want to, you know, make sure that, you know, you've got healthcare and, you know, cash flow is going to be going out. Cash flow is not going to be coming in. Um, it's worthy of noting. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. But when you have $11 million, you can... You're you're done. You set that up to pay yourself correctly, and you know you'll live off four hundred thousand dollars a year. And if you can't live off four hundred thousand dollars a year as a couple, poof, I don't know. So uh, no kids. They don't want to leave it to anyone. Uh, not that I was able to deduce anyway. Uh, so they don't mind spending it all. Um, maybe they'll change and go more, you know, uh, charitable angles later in life. But right now they got enough. So, real smart woman, and a guy you could tell that he's got, you know, an engineer's brain for sure, chugging along in there. Uh, So, tomorrow night, or tonight, no, tomorrow night, come, you know, this was a good couple. They've come to events in the past, and I got to know them, and they offered to buy me dinner. I said, sure. So, it was very social. But uh, that's how I work. I work on a social level, and I try to work on a, you know, no tricks level. Uh, Tomorrow night, Toll House Hotel. In Los Gatos, building a retirement portfolio lasts. It's going to be 6.30 to 9. Try to get there a little early because traffic is a nightmare around 17 and Saratoga and that whole area near Los Gatos. 
Uh, we're going to talk about reducing risk with diversification, bond alternatives, low interest rate environment, but low interest rate environment that's going to start creeping higher. Asset classes and retirement accounts versus taxable accounts, rebalancing a portfolio, the right ways to use funds, ETFs, and dividend paying stocks. I'm going to go over some dividend paying stocks for sure. Um, so I hope to see you out there tomorrow night. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Um, worthy of note, I think Yelp and Twitter both are getting hit. I think Twitter is the better of the two names. Um, they have to show Wall Street that they've got some sort of plan, though. And as of now, they haven't really done that. Um, Wall Street is very much so show us the growth and ensure that you don't become an also-ran in social networking. You know, Twitter's got an advantage because it's really popular with celebrities, journalists, and activists. Its audience of slightly more than 300 million users is tiny compared to Facebook's 1.4 billion, of which Facebook reports tonight. That'll be an interesting call. Um, pending home sales, contracts to buy previously owned homes unexpectedly fell in June after five straight months of increase, suggesting some cooling in sales activities. Um, healthcare spending is going to be about $3.1 trillion this year. And that's why you have to have a healthcare mutual fund in your portfolio, in my opinion. Consult a broker advisory for taking action on anything I say. Microsoft is launching Windows 10 with an eye on the mobile market. It takes some of the best features of Windows 7 and Windows 8 and puts them together. It's going to be um, the launch uh, comes you know three years after their last operating system. And it's not going to be a big revenue driver, but the question is, will it be a big credibility builder? Altria, a cigarette company, uh, has nudged guidance higher as revenues rise, improved cigarette shipment volumes, leads to better than expected revenue. Can you imagine we're living in the 21st century and people still smoke? Whoa, right? Little cancer sticks. And uh, revenues rising. That's a stock you could own. Stock's up 12% this year. The market's up roughly nothing. So that tells you something. YouTube's talent not migrating to Facebook. Uh, when a YouTube star posts videos to Facebook, it reaches far fewer people on average. Uh, we're going to continue to watch that. It's one of the things I'm going to listen for in the Facebook conference call tonight, uh, video engagement. Uh, because more and more, they're, say, they're saying kids are watching less TV because they're probably on Facebook and the iPad and YouTube, all that more. You can find me online at robblack.com. been a pleasure talking to you today. Um, get, try to get eight hours of sleep. Come to the event tomorrow night, 6.30 to 9, Toll House Hotel. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Talking about having a portfolio that's going to last until the day you die. We'll take a break here. Talk soon. Sign up at the event, robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.